Welcome to episode five of the Passionate Purpose Podcast, where we interview people over 50 who are pursuing new direction for their lives. It's an opportunity for men and women to tell their stories, their way, in their own words. Today I'll be speaking with a woman who absolutely loved to camp, but her husband wanted no part of it. That realization was devastating to Janine Pettit because after raising four children, she envisioned being able to relax and travel with her husband. But not only did he not like to camp, he was really happiest when staying home. One day, Janine read a newspaper article about women who like to use tiny travel trailers to camp without their husbands. They would get together for a weekend of fun, then return to their own lives. She started doing that as a hobby. Janine soon realized that not all women were as fortunate as she was to have grown up camping and having been instructed by her father on how to do things like attach a camper to a car or how to set up a campsite upon arrival. In fact, she saw women making some very serious mistakes that could have resulted in their injury or even death. So Janine started writing a blog that offered tips just for women. It became so popular that she started writing for the RV Industry Association. Soon, she became the Martha Stewart of the camping world. She founded an organization called Girl Camper to basically teach women how to camp like a girl, meaning she'd instruct them how to properly tow an RV, but also how to camp in style. To tell us more about her story, how she came up with the idea for Girl Camper, how the group has impacted so many other women, please welcome Janine Pettit to the show. Thanks for joining me today, Janine. I really appreciate the time. Tell me a little bit about you and where you're from and where you are now. Well, thanks, Greg. It's it's always great talking with you. I always enjoy your interviews and your interview style and all the things you create. Um, I, I'm a New Jersey resident, born and raised in the Midwest, but transplanted here to the East Coast. And this is where I run my little world of girl camper. And um, I enjoy living out here. I do. Super. Have you been... In- you are married, right? I am. So okay. I, oh gosh, my husband always knows the exact number. This is terrible. <laughs> I think, I think we're at the, I think our next anniversary in May is 39 years. Okay. I don't know. We got married in 1983. Um, 1984 had our first daughter um, and 1987 had a son. In 1999, we adopted one of our foster children. We call her our bonus baby. And along the way, we picked up another bonus son, um, a foster that um, didn't have any um, family. So oh. we kept him, too, although he's not officially adopted. We've had him for eight years, Stephen. So we got two boys, two girls, and our first grandbaby on the way. That is oh. super exciting. <laughs> Do we know what flavor that is going to be? No, they don't want to know. Oh, They're good. Like, what? That's, no, they're just like, you know, too much information. How are we going right. to push through? Like, well, this is going to be what's going to get Holly through labor and delivery. We're finally going to find out what this little precious, you know, child we're mm-hmm. all loving already and waiting for is going to be. So, sure. no, they they don't want to know. Okay. Before you turned 50, did you work anywhere or did you stay home and raise these little ones? I did. I was a stay-at-home mom. I was an official cookie baker, but <laughs> I always, yeah, I was the cookie baker. I was the volunteer mom. I was a substitute teacher at my kids' little elementary school. Um, I enjoyed every single second of that life, and I wouldn't change it for anything. And now that my kids are adults themselves, you know, they go like, 
mom, you know, that was really good of you. Do you know, not everybody did that, you know? And so they don't seem too appreciative sometimes in the process, but they all look back at it now. And I get these wonderfully sappy Mother's Day cards that I just love. (laughs) Um, but, But while I was doing that, I was always a person who had something. I always had a side hustle going on. I always had something happening. I, I had an antique shop. Um, I was a real estate agent. I, um, I always, um, I, I ran a small sewing business out of my house. I was an expert tailor and that was always great side money. That's, I used to pocket that. And then we would take the kids someplace fun with it. It was a great way to supplement our income. And so few people have those kind of skills anymore, even 20 years ago when I was doing it, um, that I, I, you could charge a lot of money for stuff. And um, so I, I always had something going on. So okay. before you turned 50, what was one of the things that you were most proud of accomplishing? Honestly, my kids, oh. I, I, honestly, um, we just got the third one out of um, school. So all of my kids went off to college and, and, um, and, they they never got in any serious kind of trouble. Like not every kid launches perfectly and all of their launches weren't great either. But to see them all um, enter into adulthood um, relatively easily and they're very industrious. My kids are hard workers. I'm so proud of that in them. If I, if I look at them and I think, They've all graduated. We've never had to give one kid a dime. <laughs> you know, like they all got mm-hmm. out, got jobs, paid their bills. I, that's I, honestly, it's the thing I'm most proud of. <laughs> that's neat. But after you turned 50, you stumbled on a different kind of mission. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, it's funny. Like I, I think about this all the time. Um, I grew up in a camping family and I did not raise my kids camping, although I wanted to. I love camping memories I loved camping so when our youngest our bonus baby was probably in second or third grade something like that it's all kind of fuzzy now but um I realized my husband's never going to go camping with me I kept thinking you know when these kids are gone we're going to get to camper and we're going to go across the country so we rented one and we went on a two-week vacation without our kids and about six days into that vacation he turned to me and he said I can't tell you how much I hate this (laughs) And um, I was so disappointed because, you know, when you're raising your family, you're thinking one day, right? And you have this image in your head of what you're going to do when those kids are gone. And then when I realized my husband wasn't wired for it, he's just a homebody, life on the road, even for just like a three-week trip, like that wasn't going to be comfortable for him. I had to kind of get something else in my head. And um I saw an article in a newspaper about women who travel without their spouses. They get these little campers, they go all over the country. And I'm like, that's my gig. I'm going to do that. So what happened is it was just a hobby, Greg. I just thought this is a fun thing to do. And since I grew up in such a can-do family and we were campers and we all had jobs camping, hitching up, I was always my dad's helper. I knew how to hitch that pop-up trailer up and uh, I knew how to pull it and drive it and all of those things. When I got out there with other women and I saw kind of mistakes, serious mistakes people were making that could have been really dangerous, like towing trailers that were way too big for the 
um, tow vehicle they had, not hooking them up properly, not doing safety checks, not knowing how much air pressure they should have. I started just writing a little blog about that. Like, hey, everybody, here's 10 things you should do before you pull out of the driveway. And it was fun. Mm -hmm. And then as I I went along, I came to the attention of um, Go RVing, the marketing arm of the whole RV industry. And they said, hey, you know, solo women travelers, this is, you know, the RV world seems to be broken down into young families with kids out there or the retired couples taken off in some big class A. And so they love the idea that here's a solo woman. She travels without her husband and she tells other women how to do it. So they hired me and I started writing for them. And then that all just evolved. There was no grand plan that I would turn myself into the Martha Stewart of the camping world um, <laughs> in, in my you know second chapter of life here. But one thing led to another. And now there is girlcamper.com. And we have 24 girl camper guides um, in, over the country. And we'll probably double that next year. And I, at age 61, I got it in my head that I was going to do a lifestyle magazine. And we just won five Ozzy and Eddie awards for editorial and um, design. That's you wonderful. Know, our little engine that could. So I, there was no grand scheme like, okay, when my kids are out, I'm going to start this camping empire. It just all kind of evolved. And sometimes I sit here and I think, oh my gosh, I'm so busy. On my busiest day, now at age 63 years old, I do more in a day than I did when I was 40 and had three kids at home. Mm. So um, it, it's it's a lot. But then I think if I wasn't doing this, what would I be doing? And and I can't I can't imagine it any other way. So, but it, it, it's all it's yeah. all it's a daily grind. But it's it's something I I truly truly love. But it's not just teaching women how to camp. And how to go RVing, right? Because that's secondary. It sounds like you're trying yeah, to, to empower me, them. Or, Yeah, it absolutely is. Like camping is the, the mission, you know, uh, it's the end goal. But really, for me, I have discovered something. And you can't, I don't really think a lot of times you can see this in your 40s. I think of those, I call those the chaos years. I was so busy just getting meals on the table and keeping the laundry going around here and getting kids to where they needed to be that I, I, I didn't sit around thinking about what my purpose in life was. You know, my purpose was to keep the ship running here, <laughs> you know? So yeah, it was just, you know, laundry meals, kids, you know, repeat. Mm -hmm. So as, as I got to a place in my life where I could do a few things for myself. I could check out a little and have a girlfriend weekend, which would have been unimaginable like 10 years earlier. I, I started this camping thing and I would talk to girlfriends. Hey, I'm going camping with my friends. You know, do you want to come and wait without your husband? Oh, I couldn't do that. Why? Oh, I, I don't, I don't know how to do that. And I, I don't know anything about that, but it looks like so much fun. <laughs> well, I began to see this pattern among some women uh, that had really grown up in ways. And, you know, the audience at Girl Camper is sort of, you know, 50 and up. And these women who were raised in the 60s and 70s when, uh, when I was in elementary school, um, they did grow up in an era where the sons went off to high school and they did all the technical training. They did wood shop and auto and all of that. We took home ec. I was the president of future homemakers of America in <laughs> high school. 
But I, I loved every minute of it. I loved everything I learned. I graduated from high school with mad tailoring sewing skills. And I ran a little sewing business out of my house for 20 years that really supplemented our income when the kids were all home. So I loved it, but I, I never thought to myself that I couldn't do what my brothers were doing or the boys were doing. That's mm-hmm. just not where my interests lie. So when I when I would meet women and they would say, but I can't do that, I, I would say, no, you just don't know how to do it. You can. There's there's no gene for it. You just have to learn. It's a skill set you haven't learned yet. Some women really needed kind of permission to get out of their own prescribed gender roles in their head and permission also to have fun. So really what I ended up doing is getting this thing in my head where I really just want to empower women to make choices for themselves um, and eliminate that little loop in the back of their head that tells you, I can't do that. So if you don't want to do it, don't do it. But if you want to do it, please don't let someone tell you that you don't have what it takes. Mm -hmm. So Really in Girl Camper, I I think of ourselves as, you know, empowering women or I don't like the word empowerment because I think that implies that somehow you were disempowered at some point and I just don't believe in disempowerment. Mm -hmm. I believe that we just haven't gained the knowledge we need to do it. So I think of it as a women's encouragement group. And I think once once you get down that towing and that stuff, it opens up a window in your brain in which, hey... I did that. You know what I think I'm going to do next? I'm going to get a handle on my health. I'm going to go travel in Europe. I'm going to take that back. I'm going to hike the Appalachian Trail. Whatever. Like once you start thinking like I did that, what else can you do? Right. Now when these gals are getting together and they're enjoying their camping and things like that, are they also empowering each other through like conversations during campfires and things, you know, that type of. Oh, Greg. Yeah, they really are. And I have to tell you, I'll I'll, I'll bust a secret here. But, you know, we always tend to say what happens at the campfire stays at the campfire. But without being specific, I can tell you that conversation that goes around the campfire, it's very funny to me because there are poignant moments where someone just has to let go of something that's weighing on their heart. And other women are the place to do that because women are born nurturers and maybe that's the only safe place for a woman to let something that's burdening her go. And she will certainly be met with so much love and empathy when she does that. But there is also a lot of talk around that campfire about your engine size, the torque, what's your toe (laughs) ratio. (laughs) And and that is as exciting to me to hear women sitting there talking very naturally, like what's the, um, uh, ratio on your, you know, rear axle. I, you know, I, my tongue weight is this, and you know, I think I should up my axle. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love it. Right, that's very good. And so you just stumbled on this opportunity, or is, did somebody yeah, encourage was, you to do that? Um, well, my husband did. I, I have to say that. Um, he, he is the biggest cheerleader of Girl Camper, and. All the girl camper community knows him as the silver fox. He's always the guy behind the camera. And um, he's, he's always loading and unloading my truck and my car for me. He does so much for me. Um, but I also feel like uh, the encouragement came from other women, you know, and, and that has been so great for me. Um, I have a great partner at Girl Camper. Her name is um, Diane McNamara, and she's been in PR 
you know, 30 years and has had a fabulous career. And she really came to me and said, I think you have something here that is so great. And it, and together we talk so much about the subtext of what happens at Girl Camper and that the real goal here is to really encourage women and give them a place in which they're not shamed about what they don't know and in, in which you can come and there are no dumb questions. And we have a saying at Girl Camper, there's no wrong way to camp like a girl because we don't want you to think that unless you're towing a big, unless you're pulling a big uh, trailer. You, you're not really one of us. So whether you're um, 30 something with your mom and dad's old Subaru and a pup tent and a kayak on the top, or you're, you know, um, a, a big class A motorhome that you learned to drive after your husband passed away. We want every woman to know wherever you are in your camping journey, whatever it is you want to do, there's a place for you around the campfire, mm-hmm. you know? So we, we look, we look at girl camper like um, it's really like our opportunity to build women up. And that being said, within our community, we build women up. So we started looking at it going, how else can we reach out to people? Well, I get a lot of invitations. Could you come here and host a camping trip? Well, I can't run all over the country hosting a trip in every state so we started siphoning off the women in our community who who we see very active on our Facebook page. And it's a Facebook page with 150,000 members in it. It's, wow. it's mind-boggling. Yeah, it's, it's a crazy, it grows day by day. So, But there are women who are very active. And so we have 24 Girl Camper Guides all over the country. But they're not just out there. They're, those are micro-businesses. So they are a sub-business within Girl Camper. And I don't think you can encourage women if and, and ask them to build your brand unless you're giving them a piece of that brand. So they are out there. They're Girl Camper guides. They host a trip. They make money off doing that trip. They work with campgrounds. They have partners. They sell their own ads. They have a micro site within the Girl Camper site. So I'm really proud of that, that we built a business model in which we give other women the opportunity to have a platform to talk and to uh, host events and do things. That's great. Now, did this girl camper thing require a significant investment of money or uh, require you to get additional training or skills to, to pull it off? Uh, I think I had every skill I needed from raising my family because as a mother, you, you have mad skills you don't even know about. Um, <laughs> my oldest daughter, my, my, you, my oldest daughter, I said to her one day, she works in marketing in New York city. She owns her own agency. And I said, I have to get a job. This is before I started girl camper. She goes, mom, you already have a job. And I said, what is it? And she goes, you're a camper, you're a girl camper. Mm-hmm. And I go, well, that's not a job. And, and she sent me back an hour later a skill set resume that she wrote for me that made me cry my eyes out Really? because she, she took every single thing I had done as a mom from organizing the bake sale to starting the raffle for this charity to, to the years I used to drive senior citizens to doctor's appointments. And she took that and she turned it into a skill set resume. And all women have these and they don't know they have them. That was a life-changing moment for me. And so I took a look at that and I, so I had the skills, but it did, it did require a significant um, financial investment, which I 
I didn't make right away. Um, I really was kind of, let me see how this is going. But there is a moment, Greg, in which you have to invest in yourself. And I thought to grow this to the next level, I've got to put real money into it. And I, I like it when people give you numbers. I think I spent building out the platform and for the website, maybe fifteen, eighteen thousand dollars. <gasps> the back end that the back end that runs our Girl Camper guide pages and just the things I the people I hired and the things I did, that was my, I had my money back in probably a year from that. Really? So that was yeah, I had my money back in a year from that. And once I had that money back, I said, what's my next venture? And when I started the magazine, um, that was all my own money. And I think the first issue of that magazine, which I started during COVID, when all my flights got canceled, everything was canceled. And suddenly I was sitting at home because normally from anywhere from January to April, I'm flying out every other weekend to an RV show to speak. And all of a sudden, my calendar was completely clear which I was actually really grateful for. I was burned out and I was, I looked forward to having a cozy winter at home, making pots of soup every day. Um, but that lasted about two weeks. And then I said, I'm going to start a magazine. <laughs> and so my partner, Diane and I just thought if there, I, I would stand at Barnes and Noble and you think if there is room on the shelves in here for six different um, <laughs> backyard chicken magazines and there's no camping magazine, I, I love magazines and I love lifestyle magazines. And I was naive enough to think how hard could it be, right? Mm -hmm. right? You just write stories and put pretty pictures, right? right? So that first issue went out. I found a printer. We got the stories. The photos were lovely. We, uh, we, we found this spectacular art director who designed the magazine for us. It was a, a fabulous story how we found her. And it went out and I think I had $12,000, $13,000 into that magazine before it went to the printer, uh, w after it went to the printer, when I had that big bill from him for printing it. And I think we printed 2,500 copies and we had 1,000 subscribers. Okay. And we broke even. We came out a little ahead. You well, know, we paid all our bills and we thought, this is fantastic, right? Like... Um, you know, we tapped into everybody we knew for an ad and, and we were in the black. It's always been in the black. The magazine has always been in the black. Um, not by a lot sometimes, but um, it was a little nerve wracking. But you, you have to really believe in yourself. You really have to believe. And, and they say you, you know, write the book you wanted to read. Well, I created the magazine I wanted to buy. And you've got to know your audience. I knew my audience. Girl campers are visual people. And I know they love beauty. And so there are more glampers than campers in the girl camper world. I mean, they're out there camping, they're towing, but when they get there, they're going to set a pretty table. And they're going to want to know about those hiking boots you got. <laughs> and where'd you get that cute coat? I knew it was out there and we created a publication that had a lot of verticals for revenue. We specifically made a lifestyle magazine instead of just an RV magazine. So we are promoting the outdoor lifestyle, camping, hiking, kayaking, road tripping. So that gives us many more verticals. Plus we're women centric. So we want to keep good health. We want to, um, 
we want products that are good for our skin, good for the environment, good for health. I knew that once we built that platform, we wouldn't be relying solely on the RV industry for our ad space. Okay. Now, did this create any challenges for you in starting up the platform or the magazine? Did you have to overcome anything? Oh, so many things. Um, naysayers. So I speak to people about naysayers. You really just have to turn them off. You know, um, I did some research and I knew that niche magazines were way more successful. Everyone's like, print is dead, print is dead. And I'm like, I don't know. I buy it all the time and mm -hmm. I'm not on you. Uh, you know, there's nothing. I'm a very ordinary person and I go into Barnes and Noble and buy magazines. So niche magazines do well. So I had to turn off a bunch of the naysayers. When you have an idea in your gut and you're looking at it and you're reading articles that say niche magazines are thriving, you have to go with it. There's always someone who's going to tell you you can't. You have to believe that. Then there were just challenges like getting writers, um, you know, like we never run out of ideas, columns or features for the magazine, but finding the writers, it's, it's comical now. We wrote almost the entire first issue of the magazine ourselves, the Girl Camper Guides and us on the staff, we wrote it ourselves, like almost every article in there. And I'm so happy to say we have a fantastic executive editor today, Kim McKinnon, who's also the president of the um, Travel Writers Association of America. So we have this fantastic supply of fantastic travel writers. Mm -hmm. So that was a challenge. Getting those first issues off the ground with very little money and no staff, that was very hard. And But we, we've overcome a lot of those things now. That's great. If you had to start it over again, would you do something differently? Um, no, no, I really okay. don't. That's... No, I really, um, I, 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 when you, when I think about that question, I think it's easy to look at that and just say, yes, I wouldn't do this or do that. But when you take it back in your head to where you were in your head in real time, what was happening in that moment, that was the best decision for that moment that it was happening. So I used to tell this to my kids when they were in high school and they would come home and say, can I go to this party? And I go, no, those parents are wacko. They don't know where their kids <laughs> are half the time and you're not going over there. And, and they would, everybody else is going. And I'd say, you know what? I'm going to save you a little trouble here, kid. 10 years from now, when you're sitting on some shrink's couch, I want you to tell the shrink this. your mother made the best decision in the moment with the information she had. Mm -hmm. So, don't rewrite the script 10 years from now. I'm saying no right now. This is why we're not going backwards. That's great. Do you ever see yourself <laughs> retiring or how would you define retirement? I, I don't see that happening anytime soon. What, what I would like to do. Um, so I'm 63 now. My husband is um, 67 and 68 and he, um, he isn't slowing down. He owns his own business. So he has no intention. He's, he's cut back a little, but, um, if he were retired, it might be a different story, but we both get up every day, 63 and 68, and we go to work. So I don't, I don't see a change in that. We both love what we're doing. What I would desperately like to get is a better work-life balance. Um, I think it's so important that when we reach a certain age, you know, I, I don't want to work this hard. 
I, I really don't want to work this hard. Mm-hmm. Every You can't take every opportunity that comes your way. Sometimes you have to say no to things. And I would like to get a better work-life balance. I would like, I, I've turned into a little bit like the cobbler's kids without the shoes. You know, um, everybody was out camping last weekend, all the New Jersey girls. It was a picture perfect, beautiful weekend. And I drove down on Sunday morning to have breakfast with everybody because I was working on the magazine all weekend long and it was torture. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So I, I would like to get to a place where I have a better work-life balance and get to do more of what I'm writing about and talking about, but it, I'll get there. What kind of hobbies do you pursue then to give you that work-life balance? I, I'm, I'm a crazy seamstress, Greg. I, it's, it's, I love to sew. It, it's, it's like, it's salve for my brain. So at the end of a long work day, I'll go down to my basement sewing room and just cut out a pillow or make make a half a dozen napkins. There's something that happens in my brain. It brings it right down. The creative process, the creating something, having something to give someone. Uh, I just, I never get tired of sewing. I'm also a watercolorist. So I love when I'm traveling. I keep a watercolor journal of places that I've been. And I just love to sit down at night now. I'll just paint a couple of postcards or I have a box of blank greeting cards that are watercolor paper and I'll just take an area, I pull a photo out of my phone and I'll paint it and I'll maybe send a card off to someone that I camped with. Like, remember when we were here? It's fun. It's just a cute, easy, simple hobby. Have you had any reaction or response from the people that you've been working with uh, about the impact that Girl Camper has had on their lives? Oh, that's one of my favorite things. I have to tell you, um, when it all becomes a little too much, those are the things that keep me going. And I actually have a folder in my um, email where I save these letters that women write to me because sometimes I just need to get those out and read them. Um, And I, I ran into a woman at an RV show. I was at an RV show and she came to hear me speak. And she pulled me aside and she said, I don't know what I'm going to do. My husband died very suddenly six weeks ago. And we had, she was young. She was like 61, 62. And she said, we had all these plans. We were going to do all these things. And I said, you can do them and I I will help you. These women are out there. And she said, somebody told me about you. and, And then when I saw that you were speaking here today, I came out to talk to you. So she and I found a little corner and we talked and, And I asked the RV dealership that I was um, there with, I said, I really need you to give me one of your sensitive salespeople to nurture this woman, really, to take her by the hand. And they did. God bless them. They did such a wonderful, wonderful job with her. And she, I, I took her business card and I called her a couple of times over the first six months and she had ordered an RV and it was, she was waiting for it to be delivered. And then I kind of lost track of her. You know, she told me she got an RV and she was learning to tow it. Two years later, I was camping in Pennsylvania, uh, up in an area um, in northwestern Pennsylvania. There is a Allegheny Mountains, beautiful place to camp and very dark skies. Great place for stargazing. Anyway, we were up there and I was walking back to my camper from the camp store. And I looked up and I saw her with her camper at the oh. campground. I ran into her. And the back of her camper was covered. She had a little teardrop with a back kitchen. 
And the whole back of the camper was covered with stickers of all of these places she had camped. And she saw me and she came running over and we hugged and hugged. And she said, come and sit with me. And she said, oh, I'm in a fishing group. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm, I'm meeting my girlfriends here. She said, I'm so busy that sometimes I just have to say, I can't do anything this week and I have to stay home and rest. And she said, seeing you and talking to you that day changed my life. She goes, I don't know what I would be doing now. I might still be sitting in my living room crying if you haven't shared with me like that you're conviction that this was something I could do. She said, for whatever reason, I believed you when I did it. Yeah, it's amazing the impact we can have on chance encounters with people. Oh, yeah. So what advice would you give to people over the age of 50 to help them either identify or pursue their passions? Uh, well, in, in terms of identifying your passion, it would be what is that thing you keep going back to? Because maybe your passion is something you haven't even explored yet. So maybe it's something that's been in your head that you've always wanted to do. And it doesn't mean it's something that you're going to do forever or you're going to turn into something like I did turn into Girl Camper. Like I had this thing where I, I wanted to go to my my grandmother's home in Ireland where my grandmother was born and raised and I had never been there. And I finally did that about two years ago. But my next, it's a two-step thing. I wanted to do that and I did and I I um, saw my um, my father's first cousin who had me over for tea in my grandmother's home that uh, she was raised in. But my next step on that is that I want to go live in Ireland for six months, just rent a place there and work from Ireland for six months. So your dream doesn't have to be something that is going to take over your life. It Maybe you have a passion about something that you've always had an idea and you have to tailor that to what is reasonable. Like I reasonably can't leave the country for six months. I think my husband would object, but <laughs> I could probably do something in which I went for a month or six weeks or something like that. So even if you had to downsize or, or have a step up plan to whatever your passion item might be to just start by moving forward. You don't have to have every detail of it worked out in order to move toward it. Because things have a way of unfolding along the way once you start going. So I would say to identify that and just think about what version of that you could do. And as far, what was the second part of that? Uh, identify it and... Pursue their passions. Pursue it. Yeah, I, I think the pursuing is to do it in, in a way in which makes sense for you. So you may see people, maybe you always wanted to sail who who sell everything and buy a houseboat and sail around, you know, the Canary Islands for months at a time. Maybe something for you is that you're going to rent something for two months and you're going to experience that lifestyle or you're going to, maybe you've always wanted to RV and you're going to rent something and just take a trip, you know, before you decide. So I would say just like get a plan for getting started. Okay, very good. Well, Janine, this has been fabulous. You provide a lot of great information and encouragement, not only for women, but I suppose for guys who are listening to this as well, to how, <laughs> how easy it can be to develop a passion just based on things that, you know, you're interested in and a way that you, but it comes down to helping people. And that's where the passion comes. Now, you might be interested in golf, but there might not be a real passion in that. 
But if you're interested in helping to teach people how to golf better, that's where your passion really develops. Mm -hmm. Super. So thank you for this time. I really appreciate it. Oh, Greg, it's always good to chat with you. And um, I love catching up with you. And I'm a little jealous you're over there for the winter in sunny Arizona. (laughs) Today's the first day I've had my heat on. So I'm I'm going to batten down the hatches here soon, but maybe I'll get out your way come January. Janine Pettit is one of my favorite people in the RV industry. She is a super enthusiastic, creative idea generator with a heart for helping others. She's a breath of fresh air in a society that is often divided in many ways. That's why she has amassed such a considerable following of women who joined the Girl Camper movement. Janine and her fellow Girl Campers guide women as they step out of their comfort zones and attempt things they never thought they could do on their own, like towing an RV by themselves. Once they achieve small successes, they're often ready to tackle more challenges. Their confidence grows with each subsequent success. Girl Camper also helped women unload some painful baggage that had weighed down their spirits over many years. Over the warm glow of a campfire far from the distractions of life, Janine has witnessed a number of life-giving transformations that work to help women become better mothers, spouses, friends, and stronger people in general. Today there are 30 Girl Camper chapters scattered across America, and each one is planning regular activities for women in their areas. Janine also publishes a beautiful quarterly magazine that appeals to glampers, or people who love glamorous camping. When trying to identify a passion, Janine encourages people to dwell on things they keep thinking about, but never act upon. She described that as their heart and soul sending them a message. I really appreciated Janine's advice for people of all ages when she said, your dream doesn't have to be something that's going to take over your life, and you don't need to have every detail worked out in advance to begin. You just need to take that first step forward. I couldn't agree more. You can connect with Janine at www.girlcamper.com or look for the Girl Camper Group on Facebook. If you'd like help in identifying a purpose for your life or help planning your next steps, I'm offering a complimentary brainstorming session to members of the Forward from 50 Facebook community. For details, connect with me on Facebook or visit www.forwardfrom50.com. That's all for this week's show. Next week, I'll be interviewing a man who helps others break the bonds of perfectionism. He helps people get out of their own way and pursue things they've only dreamt of doing or they've spent many years planning but failed to start because they mistakenly believed they needed everything to be perfect in order to begin. Thanks for joining me for today's episode of the Passionate Purpose Podcast.